For having founded one of the biggest cryptocurrency companies in the world, Chengpeng Zhao was a bit of a latecomer to crypto. Four years after Bitcoin was invented, Zhao still wasn't really paying attention. Until one day in 2013, when he says it was at a poker game. The poker group was a bunch of entrepreneurs and a bunch of VCs. So it's not a bunch of gambling guys. <laughs> it's a very friendly game. We play for very low stakes. Usually at somebody's place, that day was at my place. Zhao, who goes by his initials CZ, was living in Shanghai at the time. He has a background in finance and computer programming. And he says the other poker players were guys like him, tech-savvy entrepreneurs. And at some point in the game, one of them turned to him and said, CZ, you should look into this thing about Bitcoin. You should think about converting 10% of the net worth into Bitcoin. You might go to zero, which means you lose 10%. You might 10x, which means you double your net worth. And he said this very seriously. After that day, I spent quite a lot of time looking into Bitcoin. And yeah, thanks to them, I got into crypto. Got into crypto is a bit of an understatement. He sold his apartment for Bitcoin. What? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely like went all in. That's Caitlin Ostroff, who covers crypto. She recently interviewed CZ, along with our colleague Patricia Kausman. Together, they've been taking a look at the company CZ founded just four years after that poker game. It's called Binance. And former executives say that today, it could be worth $300 billion. That's more than PayPal. So I have barely heard of this company. <laughs> yeah. That's probably because Binance is a pretty new kind of cryptocurrency company. Binance is the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. A cryptocurrency exchange. Basically, that means that it is a platform where if you want to buy Bitcoin or Ether or Dogecoin, like any of these things that you've heard of, but like really don't understand what they are, all of these cryptos, it is like the default place to go and trade pretty much everything you could possibly want. Uh huh. So if I was a buyer of crypto, Binance would be the place that I would go to trade my U.S. dollars for cryptocurrency. It's the place where a lot of people go. Yeah. In the crypto world, Binance is big. By one estimate, it processes $76 billion in trades a day. Is it sort of like the New York Stock Exchange of crypto? It's not just the New York Stock Exchange. Like, it is the New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, Hong Kong combined. Like, no other exchange even comes close to it. But Binance isn't built like the New York Stock Exchange. It has no head office, no formal address. It lacks licenses in many of the countries where it operates. And now, the company is facing its biggest challenge yet, regulation. Binance just grew and grew and grew. And now you have a moment where all of a sudden, all of these regulators are now coming out of the woodwork and they're saying, wait a minute, like, we have concerns. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, November 30th. Coming up on the show, the rise of Binance and the regulators trying to reel it in. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, 
improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. CZ and his partners launched Binance at something of a turning point for the cryptocurrency world. For years, crypto had been the domain of tech-obsessed early adopters. But in 2017, it seemed to be poised for a mainstream breakthrough. Bitcoin has rocketed to yet another new high, surging closer to the $10,000 mark. This week we hit 13000 14000 15000 Now it looks like we may hit the 17000 mark. And with the ballooning value of this market, interest is at fever pitch. Bitcoin prices were on a tear. People who had never considered buying crypto before were looking to jump in. But the infrastructure for buying and selling coins was still pretty lacking. And crypto exchanges didn't have the best reputation. This was a couple years after you had this almost infamous now exchange in Japan called Mt. Gox. Mt. Gox, which was once the world's largest trading platform for bitcoins, has gone dark. Which was hacked and a bunch of bitcoin was stolen. Thieves may have made off with $365 million worth of the virtual currency. We're going to be talking about that. Caitlin says that CZ sensed an opportunity. He had been thinking, you know, with his comp sci background, maybe there is a moment now with interest in crypto once again climbing to do a secure exchange where people could put in their money and just trade crypto for crypto. So the opportunity that he saw was to create a cryptocurrency exchange that was more secure. That was sort of its like market offering. Yeah, more secure, more responsive is kind of like how he envisioned it. Binance.com launched in 2017. What was the site like back then? Binance started off with its website in a bunch of different languages. It really wanted to target the global user. It focused on security and customer service. And so that was kind of an early draw for people. And on top of that, you had very low trading fees that it offered. You had more coins listed on it than just about anywhere else that people could trade. And it was just also very easy to use. You know, even from individual investors to really experienced, um, you know, crypto traders, you know, people have said that using the Binance app, using the website, is just so much easier and faster than other exchanges. At first, Binance.com was pretty limited. You could trade one type of cryptocurrency for another, and that was about it. But over the next few years, Binance expanded. It added over 300 different kinds of coins. It started allowing users to buy crypto with dollars. And it created a separate site, Binance.us, for the American market. And on Binance.com, it added more complex financial products, like derivatives. These are products that, like, you can bet that Bitcoin will go up in the future. That's honestly, like, been one of their big money makers. That's been one of their big sources of trading and volume is the fact that people have loved these derivatives products. In a lot of ways, using Binance felt like using any mainstream financial institution's website. The user interface was slick, and it offered good customer support. If you reached out with a question, someone would usually get back to you within 24 hours. But in at least one major respect, Binance was different from other financial institutions. Because it wasn't really based anywhere. Binance has really never had a headquarters. The exchange started in China. It started in Shanghai, where he was living. 
but it was never really headquartered anywhere. How is that possible? <laughs> I mean, um, you have to you have to have an office, presumably, or at least you have to exist someplace, don't you? You know, they have different addresses of, you know, sometimes they're shared working spaces. Sometimes they're just like, you know, other agents who file forms on their behalf. But, you know, there's really no, like, clear delineation of, like, yes, here is the main address for this company. What did CZ say then about the decision not to have a headquarters? I mean, he kind of saw headquarters as being antiquated. Like, it was this old tradition of the corporate and financial world that he just didn't see as really applicable to crypto, to this decentralized structure that they were emulating. Today, CZ says that Binance has about 3,000 employees spread across the world. How would you describe Binance's growth over the past few years? It's been explosive. So Binance started as a cryptocurrency exchange in 2017, and within six months, it was the largest among all of its competitors. And it's basically maintained that since then. Binance is undisputably a giant in this space. And CZ is its public face. This gentleman runs the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange. And so if you're looking for insights into the world of crypto and where they're headed, uh, no better place to start than with you. Binance and CZ are almost synonymous. He's gained this massive following and people just kind of like flock to Binance in part also because of like his his own personal charisma around it. This is the future. It's a technology. It's not a currency, not a, not a commodity, not a... Not that. Today, four million people follow CZ on Twitter, where he's known for his short pro-cryptocurrency pronouncements. Tweets like, crypto never sleeps, or don't fight technology innovation. It won't stop. Be with it. CZ has also gotten rich off Binance. He told Caitlin he's the company's largest shareholder. But many of the same things that have made Binance so popular among crypto consumers have also raised concerns with regulators. And this year, that tension came to a head. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people, for employees, for developers, and even your customers, removing frustration and supercharging productivity. On our intelligent platform, AI isn't just a promise. It's happening today. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Tap the banner to learn more or visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. On May 19th of this year, something happened that would cause global regulators to take a closer look at Binance. On May 19th, you had a big crash in the value of Bitcoin. Bitcoin. 
Bitcoin absolutely falling out of bed. All the cryptos are sharply lower as well. You've got Bitcoin down big right now. In fact, it broke below 40,000. It's kind of bouncing back and forth in between that. Traffic on Binance surged. All of a sudden, everyone's going onto the platform at once and wanting to sell or in some cases buy or change their positions. And all of a sudden, not just Binance, but other platforms as well, started to buckle and they started to have some issues. What kinds of issues? So according to people we spoke with who say that they've lost money on that day, a lot of them were trying to get into the app and having issues, or they were trying to close out some of their positions and just were not able to. They said the app was freezing. Some of those users lost everything. All of a sudden, the gains that they had had on whatever their positions had been suddenly disappeared. You know, we spoke to someone who had put the money that they had planned to use for graduate school in Binance and invested that in crypto. And, you know, money that they had been working for years to build up was suddenly just gone. What has Binance said about this outage? So Binance said that it took immediate steps to engage with people who were affected by the outage and that it offered compensation to people who actually experienced trading losses. Some users, though, weren't satisfied. They set about trying to get their money back by threatening to sue Binance. But they quickly ran into a problem. So remember how we spoke about, you know, Binance doesn't have a headquarters. One of the issues this creates is that if you want to sue Binance, there's really no headquarters to actually sue. And so trying to go the physical route of, you know, the legal process of sending letters to people with a company that has no address has just proven to be extremely frustrating for a lot of these people. Lawyers representing a group of Binance users in Italy, for example, say they sent 11 letters to addresses they thought might be affiliated with Binance. A Binance spokesman declined to comment on that legal matter. But users didn't just threaten to sue Binance. The other thing that a lot of the people who experienced losses did was they also emailed their regulators. So we spoke to someone in Canada who emailed securities regulators after the fact and went, you know, like, this happened, I lost a lot of money, and I think you guys should do something about it. The question was what global regulators could do about it. Traditionally, regulators have had the most power over companies based within their own borders. But Binance's primary exchange business, Binance.com, wasn't really based anywhere. It didn't have a headquarters. It just offered services to whoever had an internet connection. And so you've had this moment where regulators have sat there and gone, you know, this thing is global, it's massive, and how do you actually regulate a giant company that has no headquarters. Was this like a wake-up call for regulators? Yeah, this was kind of one of the moments where regulators sat there and went, you know, specifically with Binance, we need to take more action. Regulators around the world started taking a closer look at Binance, and some noticed a problem. Binance was offering all kinds of complicated financial products, like derivatives, all over the world— But in many countries, it wasn't licensed to do that. Regulators started sounding the alarm. So you've seen statements from the UK, Germany, Italy, the Cayman Islands, Malta, Singapore, um, South Africa, Japan, Thailand, Lithuania, saying, you know, this is almost a consumer warning. 
Binance does not have a license to sell securities in this jurisdiction. Binance does not have the authority to operate a cryptocurrency exchange in our borders. And you've just had kind of a lot of warnings that have come out. So in your interview with CZ, how did he respond to these concerns from regulators? He said that Binance has realized in the wake of all of these regulatory statements that they need to fall in line with what regulators want. To be very frank, uh, four years ago, when we started Binance, we wanted to go the decentralized way. So we want to decentralize everything, no offices, uh, no bank accounts, no headquarters. But guess what? When regulators come in, the regulators ask us very simple questions like, where's your headquarter? Our response is, we have no headquarters. Guess what? <laughs> That's a problem for the regulators. Right? So the regulators don't know how to work with us. Uh, it gets tricky. So we understood now that in order to work with regulators as a centralized business, we need to have centralized structure. So we need to have a headquarter. We need to have multiple headquarters. We need to have a legal structure. We need to have cap, proper cap tables. We need to have proper governance. We need so to they need to get AML. licensed in the different countries where they have services. They want to set up local headquarters and a main headquarter and like give regulators that system that they're used to working within. We, we have to fit in that structure. We can't be like too decentralized. He's also said that like he welcomes regulation. So we welcome regulation. If you look at cryptocurrency adoption worldwide today, it's probably less than 2%. So that means if you grab 100 guys on the street, probably less than two people have some kind of cryptocurrency. That 2% of people who have some exposure to cryptocurrencies, those guys are early adopters. The rest of the 98% of people, they are the, what we call the normal people, <laughs> the regular people. right? So the, the regular users, they want the safety. They want the regulations to be in place. So in order to attract those 98% of people, we need to be regulated. We need to have the proper licenses. This is the best way to gain trust uh, for the mass adoption. So this will allow us access to the 98%. Binance has already started rolling back its services in some countries. In the U.S., for example, Binance doesn't offer derivatives trading. But setting up offices and obtaining licenses will take time and money. Having a headquarters means getting into real estate. And applying for licenses can take months or even over a year, depending on the country. When this is a company that's already operating all over the world, so is it going to have to start scaling itself back as it just chooses the markets that it wants to open up offices and get licensed in? I mean, it's kind of already been doing that. So there's been more countries recently where it said, you know, we're not going to offer trading on Binance.com to users in Singapore or Malaysia. And so, like, there is the indication that, like, they're going to have to scale down and they're going to kind of have to pick the jurisdictions to get licenses in where they feel they can. And maybe for the other countries, they don't offer the same range of products that they previously had. What is it going to take for Binance to make this transformation? Do you think it's even possible? I mean, they they certainly have the money to do it. Like, if Binance wants to make that transformation, it can. The question is, like, can Binance continue to be the biggest? All of those things that had been in their playbook that helped them achieve this growth, are they going to have to pull those back? And can they still maintain this dominance under this new regime? Why should anybody care about what happens to Binance? You've had interest in crypto growing. You've had the number of people trading crypto growing. I mean, even if you yourself don't hold crypto, you probably know someone who does. And figuring out a way in which people can invest safely 
seems to be at the forefront of regulators' minds today. And so it's kind of trying to figure out where does crypto go from here because it's not disappearing. That's all for today, Tuesday, November 30th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Patricia Kausman. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.